0: Jesus, we worship your name. We bless you, we praise you for a wonderful morning. Thank you for opening us up to the reality of this morning. Thank you, Lord. Even in the name of Jesus. Good morning, everyone. Good morning to us all. It's a privilege again to come your way as we continue with the salvation series. Um, today we are starting with a more basic introduction to how God was able to fulfill our salvation. And um, let's start with the book of Exodus in Exodus chapter 33 from verse two of down to verse. Twenty-three, we see how that Moses was asking to see the glory of the Lord. And we also see in verse 34 how that God began to bring um, standards to his glory. Um, For the sake of our time, I will read 34 verse 1 to seven 34 verse one to seven this scripture i brought it first because it was a scripture that an atheist whom i met gave to me as a contradiction in the bible for your information there is nothing like a contradiction in the bible but everything in the bible has its basic meaning and if you do not understand, it doesn't mean that it contradicts another word. So that's what I wanted to explain. Then from there, we can appreciate salvation in depth. So Exodus chapter 34, verses 1 to 7. And the Lord said to Moses, Cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. And I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablet which you broke. So be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself to me there on the top, on the top of the mountain. And no man shall come up with you, and let no man be seen throughout all the mountain. Let neither flocks nor heads fed feed before that mountain. So he cut two tablets of stones like the first ones. Then Moses rose early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. Now the Lord descended in the clouds and stood with him there. And proclaimed the name of the Lord. So let's look at the name of the Lord. He proclaimed the name of the Lord. What is the name of the Lord then? What did the Lord say his name is? So now it is the Lord himself trying to tell us what his name actually is. The Lord trying to let us to know what his name actually is. So verse 6 and 7 is a description of what the name of the Lord is. For your information, one word cannot give the name of the Lord. The, The name of the Lord cannot be given in one word. It can be summarized in one word. For instance, every name of the Lord has been summarized according to the New Testament in the name of Jesus. So the moment you mention Jesus, all the dimensions of God will begin to go to work but it is not jesus is not the exact name of the lord it is a a name that hosts the name of the lord so here god says that there is a name that i have that is my glory so god is now showing us the name that is his glory there is name of god and the name that makes up the glory of god what makes god glorious the name that makes god glorious Is the name God is trying to give us. So Exodus chapter 34, verse number 6 and verse number 7 is that name. So let's go. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression of sins, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So here, God says this. He says that his name is the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. That is what God says his name is. If you look carefully into this name, you might find out contradiction. He said, his name is the Lord, the Lord God. He is merciful, he is gracious, he is long-suffering, that's endurance, he is good, he is truth, he forgives. He then said again that he will by no means acquit the guilty, forgive the guilty. Now, this is the Lord the lord god merciful and gracious this is the same lord that says for me i will punish sin now you will know that mercy is one who covers up for sin and he said he is merciful which means that he does not punish people yet he said he will punish sin so it looks as if this scripture contradict but it did not contradict And this is the beauty of God. And this is what makes God glorious. This is why we say that our God is a God of glory. Because he is the only person who has mercy and at the same time justice. At the same time that he is merciful, that's the same time he is just. That's the same time he will punish sin. He will forgive sin and punish sin at the same time. That's the kind of God he is. So I will try as much as possible to explain why he said this is his name. And when we get it correctly, I tell you that we are almost halfway through the depth of salvation. So let's go. What you need to understand is that there is no God that can do what this God is doing because mercy is an act of love justice brings judgment so it's either the God have mercy on you or the God has judgment on you they can't do both but God says me God I do both at the same time God is a perfect God He is perfect in mercy and love he is also perfect in justice and judgment His mercy is perfect. His judgment is perfect. And I I said, this is what makes him a glorious God, a different God apart from other God. So, let's go something. Never in your life during Bible interpretation try to paint God to look beautiful. Say it as it is, according to this scripture, God is love and God is judgment. God did not hire you to be your, His image bearer. He didn't. He didn't. He is not begging you to come and paint Him good before people. He punishes sin. He is merciful at the same time. See that statement that God cannot punish sin and that all about him is love and he, he cannot punish you he is a God of love he has a good heart it's a fraud um, God, God does not forgive sins and God is merciful he is the too at the same time it is a fraud to take one side because truth overemphasized is error Truth and that emphasize is error. It can only be truth when it is said the way it is. God is loving and merciful, and at the same time, God is judgment and just. Now, how did God now prove Himself? Because when we say He's merciful and, and He is also loving, then we say he is judgment and just. They will say that he is the two at the same time. How did he fulfill this? Now, this is the beauty of Christianity. This is the exact story that differentiates Christianity from any other religion. As Christian, God did not forgive us by ignoring our sins. Take care of that god did not forgive us by ignoring our sins maybe okay because i'm a believer god ignored my sin it's a lie god did not ignore your sin as a way of trying to have mercy on you he punished your sin he punished your sin even though it might not be you that has received the punishment someone received the punishment on your behalf so he punished your sin in someone if you did not pay for that sin someone else paid for the sin. According to Christianity, God hates sin, and God hates sin so seriously that he has declared he will by no means he will by no means forgive. Remember when we were reading the, the name of the Lord? When we were, we were reading it, the Bible says that he will by no means clear the guilty. He will by no means clear the guilty. So in Christianity, God hates sin and will by no means forgive, ignore sin. He will still punish sin no matter what. He will never acquit the guilty. This means as long as you are guilty of sin, as long as someone is guilty of sin, the person has no place with God. The person has no place in God. We saw last time how that. Adam was the one that made us all sinners. And because of that, we were separated from God. As long as sin is in your vessel, you are separated from God. That is what the Bible says. He will by no means acquit the guilty. Meanwhile, this is a God that is also merciful and loving. So let's go to the New Testament. Then we will see how God has been able to achieve this. How God has been able to achieve this so let's go to first uh, John chapter 1 verse 9 first John chapter 1 verse 9 in that scripture I am going to, um, to show you that even in the New Testament the same attribute was given to God the same attribute here was given to god it wasn't given to god only on the account of the old testament i know people will be like the book of exodus you have quoted the old testament all right first john chapter one verses nine if we confess our sins he is faithful and just not faithful and merciful he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin so here we find faithfulness and justice how can someone use justice to forgive your sin? He is faithful and just. So we are now going to... What is just about forgiving sins? What is just about forgiving sins? Alright, so we are now going to look at what makes God faithful and what makes Him just in the forgiveness of the sin that Adam has committed. That's what we are going to look at. Now, in order for God to be true. And in order for God to be consistent with whatever he is doing, he must be able to be loved at the same time, merciful. If he is indeed God, because the Exodus says that he is love and he is merciful. And then Exodus says that he is just and he is judgment. By an act of the love of God towards humanity, he showed his mercy by sending down his only begotten son from heaven to die on the cross on behalf of humanity. Now, let's go to the first scripture that everybody is used to, which is John 3.16. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish but have everlasting life or have life everlasting listen God had to send his son first John chapter 4 verses 10 in this is love not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins we will see what the word propitiation means um, in our subsequent study. But here, you will realize that it was love that drove God to be able to send down his son so that we might find redemption. So it justified the first aspect of God, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious. So it justified that aspect that the love of God is that aspect of God that caused him to send. Jesus Christ alright let's take other scriptures uh, Romans chapter 5 verses 6 verses 6 for when we were still without strength in due time Jesus Christ died for the ungodly for scarcely for a righteous man would one die yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die but God demonstrated his own love towards us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the death of Christ was a demonstration of the love of God. For a man to leave his wealth in heaven and come onto the earth, just to come and die, just to come and, and suffer, just to go onto the cross, simply because he wanted to forgive us our sins. So any time that you get born again and you come into the Christian family, that love of Christ on the cross will make God to see you and have mercy on you. So Christ paid for the sin. All right, that is what we call love. The love of God brought Jesus into the world to come and die so that mercy shall be abundant on humanity. So it is by an act of love that mercy, alright, is given to the believer. Alright, so now the coming of Jesus and his death fulfilled that aspect of God that is loving and merciful. And gracious, forgiving, long-suffering. It it for, it, it just woke right? me. So the cross was a sign of justice. Because Jesus was not made a sinner by God. He was made sin. Let's go to Second Corinthians. Let's go to 2nd Corinthians. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. He didn't say to be sinner for us, he said he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. He became sin for us. All right, so whenever you look at the cross, God punished sin at the cross now the love of god brought jesus to come and die so that we may have mercy and the justice of god made jesus a sin and punished jesus at the cross so now on whenever mercy comes into the courtroom of god and he says god you are merciful he said yes that was why i sent jesus to die on the cross so that by that cross, you can have mercy. By that cross, God can be loving. God can show you love. Your sins can be forgiven. Your sins can be dealt with. Your sins can be taken away. Your sins can be washed away. Your sins can be cleansed. Your conscience can be free because By an act of God's love, he didn't want you to remain in your sin. He didn't want you to die in your sin. He didn't want you to become a product of sin. So what he did actually was that he crucified Jesus. He put Jesus as an act of his love for humanity, for God so loved the world. He sent his only begotten son. Yet that same Jesus, God made him sin so that even though it was his love, so that he can show mercy unto us, He will still punish sin remember the bible says that he will by no mean clear the guilty. it means that by any way possible god will punish the guilty and the bible says that by any way possible god will have mercy on people so he shows mercy by an act of his love he gave his only begotten son and he shows justice by an act of his judgment to punish sin on the cross so if you look at judgment it is on the cross if you look at love it is on the cross so now the cross of jesus is the very banner it is the very logo it is the very existence is the very emblem both of the justice system of god and then of the mercy act of the love of god jesus was punished for sin and he was given by love jesus was given to humanity by love and he was punished for sin so god had mercy on us by the love he shows us and giving us jesus and he punishes us by punishing jesus on the cross the reason why god chose jesus is to be the bearer of this wonderful uh, um, 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 uh, mystery this wonderful secret this wonderful hidden wisdom is that Every man after Adam that was born was dead. Somebody asked me the other time that what if Adam were not to eat from the fruit? And I told the person Adam would have died to save the woman because Adam would have lived without sin. Meanwhile, Adam ate of the fruit, so he cannot say he left outside of this of sin. So man and woman became sinners, and as long as you are born by the fusion of egg and sperm you are a sinner so you are born a sinner so there is no way anybody who is born through normal life process can be able to by an act of uh, let me say you can't even die for yourself that's what i'm trying to say you can't die for yourself let alone dying for people Alright, so in Psalms 51 verse 5, in Psalm 51 verse 5, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. I was born in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. So what God did was that he allowed Mary to get pregnant outside of sperm and egg fusion. And only Jesus had a unique birth and tempted yes was without sin so jesus there was no sin that was found in jesus hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says that he was tempted on every side yet he was without sin so the cross had two arms let me just conclude for today the the cross had two arms one to the left one to the right and it has one in the middle that holds the two arms now this is what this this scripture what I'm trying to say is the one to the left reaches to the path down to the days of Adam. Da, da, that The hand of the cross cast its shadow to, down to Adam. The one to the right casts its shadow to the future. Generations yet are born. And the stand of the cross in the middle ab, is rooted in the now. So whether you were in the past, you are now, or you are in the future, there is a shadow of the cross covering you so that you can be saved. So what Jesus' cross did was that he went as far back as Adam who was dead, and then he redeemed Adam. And then he came to the future until the end of time, and he redeemed man. Once you come into Christ, once you become a Christian, you are now righteous and not guilty anymore because this cross speaks for you. Because this cross talks for you. The cross has two sides, both front and back. Right? It has two sides, front and back so jesus came from the back to the front he was crucified at the front he came from the back to the front but you see when you are going to meet jesus you will not meet him from the back to the front you will meet him from the front to the back we will do that in later studies of the scriptures so let's go to our last scripture for the day our last scripture for the day our last scripture for the day is our last scripture for the day is second Corinthians chapter 5 second Corinthians chapter 5 verses 17 therefore if any one is in Christ he is a new creation all things have passed away behold all things have become new the reason why all things have passed away and everything has become new is that Jesus has already been punished for sin. He paid for your sin. So if you come into Christ Jesus, God will not be be unjust when he still punishes you. He will be unjust to punish you because there was already a punishment for the sin. All you need to do is to become a part of Christ Jesus. You should come into Christ Jesus. We are calling you to come into Christ so that you can be a beneficiary of this great and wonderful studies. Tomorrow we will continue with this particular topic again. We will try to end it very well. And once we end it, then we will go on to the other aspect of salvation. Thank you very much. God bless you all for making it a part this evening. God, we pray that by an act of the cross, Jesus, you will speak to the whole world. You will speak to the unbelievers by your spirit to come and enjoy the dividend of the cross, the rightful place that the cross has given to us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So tomorrow, we will look at... How you will not be punished, and why you will not be punished, but the unbeliever will be punished. Then, from there, we will enter into the things you must do to become born again. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, Amen. So, shatabala bahanta palavraska paladakrados tua velanto Bresco comina libras libra cavaria brasco seminatalia Belo Tapa shateva rakas Tedi Baranta ran ta palanta palita bras ko sekvalia ma zonte libra kabala sheta bras kavalata swa tele kabanta em palanta bras kabalaseke ta em palante bras kabalavala tua iska pela tua ta lata debe rakapalanta palanta ko sete bele da pa em Sete valantua cabalia, Esse branta palanta praca palante, Esso Meso soco bilai, Ampalanta brasque soco valataya, Esso brenta palanaca bela swatali, Evrasco se campa Ampalante brasco secedalia, Valose satai. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And so we thank you, Father, that we come to share your word once again, and we come to understand the depth the truth that is hidden in your word we also thank God that we have come back to our audio teaching services where we will learn of the Word of God where we will understand the Word of God where we will liberate ourselves from the kingdom of lack of knowledge into the kingdom of illumination which is light Um, today i will take the pain to go through doctrine and dogma what it means when we say doctrine and what it means when we say dogma Um, doctrine is in its original greek word mostly used in the bible in the greek word is the word didaki and didaki or didaskala didaki or didaskala in doctrine what we are talking about is basically teaching so when you see someone say doctrine according to the Bible doctrine is not necessarily believed but doctrine is teaching so any teaching that sprang off from scriptures sprang off from the Bible come out of the Bible is actually doctrine and several places in the book of the scriptures we find the word doctrine use scattered all around the new testament we will also realize that doctrine is not only teaching but also instructions anytime someone is instructing you using scriptures someone is guiding you using scriptures someone is trying to explain something to you using scriptures giving you an understanding and a change of mind containing concerning certain ideologies using scriptures then that person is trying to exercise doctrine and doctrine actually is something like I said scattered and littered all over scripture so when you see didaki all right didaskala also translated as doctrine didaskala means teaching and instruction okay it means teaching and instruction and then that is the original greek meaning for the word so it is either teaching or instruction so when we talk about doctrine we are talking about teaching we are talking about instruction i would want us to take some some scriptures just to explain why where it's come from doctrine instruction and whatever so let's go to second timothy chapter four verse two to three second timothy chapter four verse two to three It said preach the word be ready in season and out of season convince rebuke exhort with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine sound teaching they will not endure sound instruction But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. So, here, they are saying that a time will come where true teaching, the the true teachings of God, of Christ, of, 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 of the realities in Christ, the instructions that we are supposed to obtain from the Word of God, many people will not take heed to it because their ears are itching. It is no wonder in our generation, all we want is power, prayer, and scattering of places. But we do not even want to include ourselves in the teachings of Christ. We don't want to put ourselves in the teachings of the Word of God. And whenever they begin to teach, they we begin to yawn. But when it has to do with blasting around there we are happy paul said a time will come where people will even not endure sound doctrine it means that not every doctrine is sound there are doctrines that are not even to be heard there are doctrines that are not even you don't have to involve yourself with them because the ones that as a child of god you are permitted to have contact with and to follow is what we call sound doctrine so paul was saying that continue to do these teachings but you see a time will come and when the time comes many people will not give heed to the sound doctrines the sound instructions the sound teachings of the word of the truth of god so when we are talking about doctrine we are talking about teaching we are talking about instruction but amazingly amazingly in hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 there is another word there that has been translated as doctrine meanwhile that word doesn't mean doctrine hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 therefore leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ let us go on to perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and the faith towards God therefore leaving the doctrine of the elementary principles of Christ the word the word translated doctrine in let's take it in I think I'm using KJV KJV we we had to use the NKJV for you to see what I am talking to you about. If we can get KJV, I will be very happy if we can get KJV. Therefore, living the principles of the doctrine of Christ, therefore living the principles of the doctrine of christ now the word doctrine of christ there is actually the word christos logos which means the word of christ the word of christ the in its original uh, um, um, definition it means the word of christ christos logos the word of christ but it has been translated as the doctrine of Christ the sense I am trying to make here is that the word doctrine is the word didaki, which means teaching here the word of Christ is also referred to as the doctrine this means that when we talk about doctrine in Christianity we mean the teaching and instructions of Christ Jesus as revealed through the whole of scriptures I take my definition again when we say doctrine according to christianity doctrine is the teaching and instructions of christ jesus as revealed through the whole of scriptures doctrine influences the entire christian life and belief system of the christian dome. without doctrine christianity does not exist without doctrine Christianity is not in existence. Without doctrine, we are far away from our Christian life. Without doctrine, Christianity makes no sense. If you are not rooted in doctrine, if you didn't grow in doctrine, you cannot be an accurate Christian. So, doctrine influences every aspect of our Christian life. Even doctrine affects our ability to receive from God as it can conflict with the voice of the Holy Spirit for instance there are many people who believe that in our generation you can't hear from god so even if god is talking to them they don't know and they cannot hear because they believe by an erroneous doctrine that god does not speak again in our days there are people who trust that in our days god can speak and also speak through men whom are prophets. So for them, you will realize that all the time they are waiting on God, for God to talk concerning a matter. It is all from doctrine. There are many people who are Christians today that if you do not cover your hair before you go to church, it's a trouble. And there are people who who put on big wigs and go to church and there is nothing wrong with it. It is from doctrine. There are people that in our days today, speaking in tongues is not relevant. And there are people where if you don't speak in tongues, they will take you through the school of speaking in tongues and lay hands until you speak in tongues, all because of our doctrine. Doctrine is a sound teaching according to Christianity. The type of doctrine that we are supposed to follow is a sound teaching, a sound instructions of the Lord Jesus Christ, and only in its sound state can it help us. So if you cannot get doctrine in its sound state, even though you are following something called doctrine, you are still not going to find greater things in it. You are not going to get experiential accuracy in whatever you are doing. Sound doctrine produces good character. It produces a life of Christ in the people. Titus chapter 2 verse 1. When we go to the book of Titus chapter 2 verse 1, you will see it there. Titus chapter 2 verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are proper and sound doctrine that the older men be sober reverent temperate sound in faith in love and patience the older women likewise that they be that they be reverent in behavior not slanderous, not giving too much wine teachers of good things that they admonish the young women to love their husband, to love their children. So you will find out that sound doctrine, if you practice them and you teach sound doctrines, one of the things that you do is that you breed a group of Christians that has a certain quality, that has a certain relevance, that has a certain dimensions of God it is our responsibility to make doctrine all right our very own language he said that these things that i commit to you you should also be able to make them your very teachings doctrine is actually the word of christ is the word of truth is jesus christ is truth Now. Quickly, let's go to what it means, dogma. Let's go to what dogma means. Let's go to what dogma means. Dogma, this is the authoritative principle, a belief or a teaching or an instruction of opinion, especially on that is considered to be absolutely true. Without any biblical evidence, so any teaching that has no Bible root is dogma, it's not doctrine, it's called dogma. And normally, the names that we give it in order to look more nice is church tradition. By this, we teach philosophy, we teach fables, we teach folklore, folktales, we teach every little biblical root is not found in it now we can't find bible in it so it is dogma it doesn't matter how nice or how reasonable it looks it is still dogma that is why in 1 thessalonians chapter 5 verse 21 we are asked to reproof to proof to test to try every teaching that we hear and we should hold on to only those that are good the only thing that is good is the thing that is born out of god and god genesis chapter 1 and god saw that it was good and god saw that it was good and god saw that it was good the reason why god saw that it was good is that it was born out of him 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 so it became good anything that is not born out of God is not good and how do we know something is born out of God the Word of God the Word of God is how we know that something is born out of God the Word of God you see we have to be like the Berian Bar- Church in Acts chapter 17 verse 11 you see we have to be more honorable anybody who does not go back to read his bible after a teaching a series of teaching is done is not honorable before god it's not honorable before god acts chapter 17 verse 11 acts chapter 17 there were more fair-minded than those in thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and search the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so so if i teach you anything if you learn anything from any man of god you have to come back sit down sometimes if you go to church put your phone on record Record the man of God's preaching, come back home, replay that man of God's preaching, sit down and take Bible and try to find out if those things are biblical, if those things have a Bible root. This is the people that are honored with God, they have honor with God, they are honored by God. These are the people, the people who reprove, proof, go through different times. Don't be in a rush to learn many things at the same time. Just take it at your very own pace with God. Pray and open your scripture and say, this man taught this. What is the man saying about it? So the Berian church, they will listen to you very well. When you are teaching, they are ready for your word but they go back and when they go back they sit down and open the bible and they begin to go through scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture until everything that they see there become true there is nothing wrong with checking your teachers out from the bible proofreading what your teachers has taught you in fact your teachers are human beings they can make a mistake so even there is nothing wrong you see if you if your teacher teaches you something and you didn't go and research to find out whether it is true or not you are not a good student you have to reprove what your teacher teaches you but you see there is a way we go about it even if you find out that your teacher is wrong because revelations are is not found in one man so you need many dimensions of men that carry different dimensions of God to understand different dimensions of things. I was telling people that if I'm in need of the Holy Spirit, I look upon to him If I'm looking for prayer, I look upon to Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams. If I'm looking for um, um, endurance, I listen to Apostle Omusai. I listen to. If I'm looking for revival, I listen to Apostle Joshua Salman. If I'm looking for original Bible text, I look upon to Apostle Ramosai because I found out that in this man, if I'm looking for faith, I look out for David Oedipo. So I know where I can find accurate and dimension. They are the men that carry the dimensions of those things. And so I follow them and I learn from them to get that doctrine. But even if they are teaching, I need to still prove it because I am a Berean. I'm not a Thessalonican. I'm a Berean. You see, according to the book of Matthew chapter 15 verse 9, Matthew chapter 15 verse 9. Matthew chapter 15 verse 9. Let's just take Matthew chapter 15 verse 9. Matthew chapter 15 verse 9. But Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Okay, that's, I'm sorry, I'm reading Mark. I'm reading Mark. I said Matthew 15. Matthew 15 verse 9 and in vain they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men so look at this look at this very well they were teaching they were worshiping but Jesus still says that their worship is in vain so you can be genuine you can try to teach what you know but the truth is that you can still be fake in your genuineness you can still be fake. And it, it no matter how genuine you are, it doesn't change the, ma- fa- the fact that you are fake. So, the gospel should be taught in plain languages. The gospel should be taught with scriptures. We are not going to do traditions. We are doing doctrine. So, we are going to let dogma stay where it is supposed to stay. So, in our teaching for this season, and in our learning for this season, we are going to base on scriptures, and we are not going to follow tradition, because we realize that if you follow tradition, you are lost. Again, let me quickly define doctrine to you. According to my opinion, I didn't take this definition from any book. I did it on myself through my studies I came up with my definition for doctrine doctrine is the sound teaching and instructions of the Lord Jesus Christ and through the study of the whole of scriptures doctrine again is the teaching and instruction of Christ Jesus As revealed through the whole of scriptures. Any of these two definitions, I believe, has captured the totality of what doctrine is. And in the second way too, we are also looking at dogma. Dogma is anything, any teaching, any instruction that has no Bible root. That's dogma. Thank you for making it for today's meeting. We we'll go further in the next time to start with the doctrine of salvation many of us don't know how we were saved some of us too we are shaking in our salvation experience with god we don't even we can't even tell what we are doing what our faith is we are not even confident in our salvation and through the school of salvation We are going to work on consistency in the Spirit. I just hope this will help all of us, even in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we declare that you will help us to avoid dogma. We declare that you will help us to avoid dogma and embrace sound doctrine. We pray that you will give us the ability to discern what is right and what is wrong. We pray that you will not make us or allow us to be indulged in the itchy ear family, but we will stay tuned to know what is truth and what is with you. You are my God, you are our God, and you are everyone's God. And we know that when we come close to you, we are never left behind. Thank you for letting us to understand that this is your way, even in the name of Jesus. Amen.